Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Hello there! And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. I can't really follow that, but hello anyway. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our number 95s. Oh, that's the first half ten of this... (laughs) series and that is an undisputable fact before we talc up and get balls deep in our entries (laughs) (laughs) chaps what are we playing right now am i right in saying that we have all purchased uh super smash brothers ultimate you are very very right in saying so correct well honestly i'm playing it right now and i don't plan on stopping for the entire of this (laughs) podcast what do we make of it so far everybody was so upset when uh, they announced that they wouldn't have trophies but it doesn't matter because they have spirits yeah, I mean, I one of the reasons why I loved Super Smash Brothers Melee was the fact that there was all these trophies to collect, and there was loads of different ways of doing that, and that was really, really good fun. I'll be honest, when I got the last um, Smash Brothers game on 3DS and Wii U, the amount of trophies that were in the game was a little overwhelming, and there really wasn't anything to do with them apart from collect them and look at them. And whilst that was nice to sort of have this sort of museum-y sort of aspect to the game, which I think works because it is such a celebration of Nintendo's history, whereas what they're doing with this spirit mode where every single trophy that you collect has got a story and it's got a use and it's got a function, it's exactly what it needed. I mean, it really gives a lot more purpose to sort of playing through everything. I mean, I never liked fighting games until Super Smash Brothers in the same way that I never liked racing games until Mario Kart. And to be honest, I didn't really like online shooters that much until Splatoon. It's what Nintendo does. They take a genre, they say, this will not do, let's make it fun. Who's your favourite character to play as? Ah, uh, Link. Uh, I think my favourite at the moment, I've been using the, the Mii Sword Fighter. Ah, um, yes. But oh, I, I found out the other day that I quite enjoy Ice Climbers, even though I oh, thought really? they were going to be terrible. Oh, yeah, classic. Why Ice Climbers? Uh, well, because the way that the, the characters kind of unlock this time, that you start off with just the core N64 set, and then they kind of, you know, are, are added every however many battles, or if you finish a, an adventure mode or something. I've, I've just been trying them out as they come. Uh, because you're you're kind of credited for beating adventure mode with each character they've got, got kind of like their own unique sort of tournament ladder of fights they have to go through it's a character i'd never bothered with but they're actually quite fun and, and having the two of them they can be quite versatile in, in kind of how they attack and how they jump and how they move i'm trying to remember who i used to play as i mean i always favored uh, some of the fire emblem fighters but link for me in this one i don't know if it was in the last one and it's a, such a small detail but he now does if you dashing to the left or right and then attack he does a little jump before he attacks and not oh. only is that incredibly satisfying it also means that you get just a little bit extra height so you can kind of clip somebody who's like on a ledge above you or something like that Ooh. like when you get that Right, it's... I mean, I mean, you know. What I really like is if you launch someone and they go off screen, there's that little display that shows you sort of where they are outside of the screen relative to uh, where they would be to get like completely knocked out. That's a really fun little addition. 
There's, I mean, there's so much nuance in this game. It baffles me that they've managed to balance this many kind of fighters. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. Let alone then to build in the the whole spirit system uh, and make it so that you, you don't break anything and that it's fun, but also challenging and customizable. It's absolutely absurd. And there's also DLC coming as well. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, for anyone who says, you know, who might even dare to complain that like, you know dlc means that it's just sort of unfinished content that they're trying to get an extra few bucks out of you for this version has to be like the full stop the coda to the whole series surely inevitably when they get to the next uh, console and the next smash brothers they're going to have to go in a very different direction i think because yeah. there's no point a gritty gritty reboot yeah no- nolan-esque sort of dark knight style <laughs> the, yeah the, the grim dark yeah. <laughs> sort of nonsense <laughs> i mean there's so much in it the single player mode is just genius it's so fun uh, some of the wonderful little touches like how they'll set up a, a fight to win a certain spirit and sort of design that around what the spirit is so i think one of my favorite ones i, I saw was uh, the character linebeck from legend of zelda the wind waker who's this kind of goofy um sort of seaman <laughs> seafarer seafarer he sort of dresses up with different cardboard masks to let you play different mini games and and stuff like that and so clearly nintendo went oh okay right so we haven't got linebacker as a character for you to fight but we need something to represent him so what do we do okay well we'll do a dual battle against toon link to represent the wind waker and luigi and you're absolutely right toon link plus luigi equals linebacker genius my favorite has been fighting king ashnard from fire emblem path of radiance Palette swapped Ganondorf, which is what I was expecting. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, but then they added in a Charizard for his um, for his dragon, Rajayon. And I was like, yes, no, I, I'm going to kick your ass. It's, it's 2005 again. I'm at Castle Dayan. The Grail mercenaries have stormed the castle. But instead of the radiant hero, it's, um, it's a dog with a duck on his back. And he's absolutely going to hand him his ass on the plate. If that isn't the epitome of living the dream, I don't know what is. I mean, some of them as well. Like, I, I played one earlier that was a lot simpler than that. But just to represent coughing from Pokemon is just a big fat Wario with poison in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, again, yeah. it evokes the, the spirit of the spirit. The amount of thought and, uh, that has gone into this and the amount of design is nothing short of extraordinary. No spoilers, but if there was a Super Smash Brothers game on, in my top 100, this would usurp it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, comfortably. I think, as you said the other day to me, Chris, it is the best version of one of the best games. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you for that, gents. I imagine that we're all going to be playing Smash Brothers fairly rigorously for the next few weeks as well. So um, more chat to come. Let's move on to the rankings. First up, we have Clement Minty Booth. Can you start us off with your number 95? Yes, I can. There are two sports that I like and will go out of my way to play and watch. One of them is snooker. I didn't know that. I love snooker. Favourite snooker player? Peter Ebden. I was getting the same! Oh, 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 that's um, ridiculous. We should have done that after three. Let's yeah. do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. Okay. okay, okay. Right. Favourite snooker player after three. All right. One, two, three. Stephen Peter- Hendry. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do it for real. One, two, three. Peter, Peter Ebden. Ebden. No way! What? No. Yeah, Ebo. Okay. Like I said, there's two sports that I 
really love and will go out of my way to watch. One is snooker. I didn't know that. Yeah. Who's your favourite player? Favourite snooker player of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Uh, it's probably Peter Ebden. No way! Me too! Yeah! Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, oh. Yes. Should we do it? Uh, t- t- should we do it after three? Let's just do it anyway. <laughs> One, two, three. Stephen Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, right. And the other is golf. I'm awful at golf, but I love playing it. Just heading down for a quick nine holes down at the pitch and putt. And then some golf. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've often found that it's a little odd, I guess. No, let me... Right. Would it be ironic if I liked playing video games of sports? What's ironic about that? I don't know. That's why I asked. <laughs> it, needs, it needs some sort of context for it to be ironic. If, like, if you... I don't know. Um... <laughs> this is going to be a challenge to, uh, to to get going, isn't it? Okay, fine. All right. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Peter Ebb. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there aren't that many snooker holes near us, and I'm not that much of a wanker that I'm going to go out and play a quick 18 holes um, with golf clubs that I don't own. So obviously I would turn to scratching that itch with the things that I do have. And the things that I do have are a cunning spirit and a Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not enough just to stick Mario on the screen, make it green and go, he's got this stick and he's going to hit the ball. Because while I do like sports, I also like rich storytelling, strong character development, that sort of thing. And this game, which I've picked... oh. Deep lore, a chasm of lore, the Mariana's Trench of lore. My number 95, it's Golf Story on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, I love Golf Story on the Nintendo Switch. I have yet to play Golf Story on the Nintendo Switch because it's getting a physical release in the near future. And uh, I have such a weird obsession with owning games that I uh, assumed it would get a physical release at some point because it was received so well. So maybe sometime in the new year, I'll finally catch up and be able to play Minty's number 95. It's really, really nice. The only thing that I don't like about it is that your character is the underdog to a fault. But not through a fault of his, just that the writing of every other character is constantly bashing you. Mm. So it's like, oh, maybe one day you'll be a real golfer. And there's no real progression outside of uh, your character just being like, but I won the championship. Yeah, but I literally am the best in the world. Yeah, and it (laughs) doesn't go further from that. Maybe one day. There's no real payoff. It's just like maybe once or twice there's a begrudging. Well, I guess you beat me, so I guess you're all right. It does get tiresome. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved Golf Story. I had a really good time playing it. I've always loved golfing games. I've always enjoyed that mechanic. It's just very satisfying. It's a, me- a gaming mechanic that hasn't changed since the first golf game. But it does change in Golf Story because each different um, golf club you go to has its... Uh, has its own thing. The spooky one has the big holes that you only can get a hole in one in, otherwise you lose. Like the old farts golf club, you're paired up with an old golfing pro who turns out to be crap. Chubbs Peterson. Oh, don't get me started on Happy Gilmore. He's a mashup, yeah, mashup between Chubbs Peterson and is it Doc Brown from um, Punch Out? I would like to point out that I was wrong in saying that. Um, 
the trainer in Punch-Out was called Doc Brown. He's actually called Doc Louie. He's the same shape as Doc Brown. Does it happen to be fruit-shaped? <laughs> Thinking about it, yeah, he is the shape of a very ripe pear. It's always pears. It is yeah. always pears. It's just such an agreeable aesthetic. Fibonacci's pear. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, golf story. Uh, a fresh take on uh, Triton-tested mechanics with a fun story, which unfortunately leaves a little bit to be desired, but still a fantastic game. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Clement. Chris, moving on, would you please grace us with your 95th favourite video game of all time? I will certainly try. This is one that uh, I'm pretty sure Jonathan would have owned growing up because everyone who owned this platform owned this game, uh, it seemed. So my, my family, I, I was always about a generation behind with consoles. So I, I got kind of my Mega Drive at the time that everyone else was thinking about, like a Saturn or a PlayStation and stuff like that. And I didn't get my Sega Saturn, which this game is on, uh, until probably the last six months of the Saturn's kind of retail life. Which was about seven months after it launched, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but when I did get it, it meant that uh, my dad picked up a set that was the Saturn and honestly, 13 or 14 games in a bundle from Dixon's. Wow. Oh, do you remember Dixon's? And it cost like next to nothing, again, in comparison to the PlayStation that was out then, which was probably five times the price. Some of the games were good, some of them were bad, uh, but one that at the time I just thought was kind of average, uh, that I've grown to kind of really appreciate over time, was Sega Rally. Oh, hey. which is Cracking game. My game. You, you say that you weren't kind of like big on racing games, uh, and I think I felt similar sort of growing up it's it's something that i enjoy a bit more now but it's still not like a favorite genre but this was a really really simple racing game or at least it felt like that when i was a kid there were you know you had three tracks you had two cars you played it you got to the end and then it's like is that is that it then do i do that again sort of forever <laughs> and, and that was that was basically all it seemed to be and it wasn't really until years later when i was at university i went to a very very small arts college arts uni only like 500 or 600 students across the whole three years and our, our student union was absolutely tiny but it did have two arcade machines in it one was sega rally and one was a game that may appear later down the list Ooh. but it's a little hint there a little, little hint for the future but sega rally because it was there i played it more in that context and one appreciated how good the saturn port was yeah. uh, in terms of uh, aside from i think the frame rate is halved from 60 to 30 but the game yeah. itself handles and feels almost identical. And the more I played it, the more I then kind of, you know, a couple of years later when I was back home, pulled out the Saturn and started playing a bit more and started to appreciate that it wasn't necessarily about kind of, you know, what was missing from it in terms of what I thought should have been there. Like compared to racing games now, we have 8,000 tracks and 9 million cars and everything. Yeah, It was about the feel of it. And, and I think a lot of games on my list as we go up are ones that do something really really well and like you know despite how many games i may have played over the years there's very very few racing games that still feel as kind of taut and kind of enjoyably tight to control as sega rally does to the point where those three tracks and those two cars you know there is real fun to just say okay i'm just gonna time trial this same track over and over and over again and just bring my time down bit by bit because you you start to know reliably whether you're doing it on the satin with like a digital d-pad or if you're in the arcade and using a proper you know like big steering wheel that there's like real nuance to it the handling model kind of allows you to make these kind of tiny tiny you know changes and judgments that you then see immediately reflected in what you're doing and it's just it's a really really pure game for that and it holds up really really well even today so your rally was the only 
the racing game I played until I got a Nintendo system with Mario Kart. It was incredibly well built so that you never felt that the game was cheating you out of it. If you didn't get as fast or you mucked up, it meant that every single little nuance, every single little detail that you put in would be reflected in your in your time. It was very satisfying to play um, and also with some superb music. It is. It's great music. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I heard something about it was I think it was something like Joe Satriani was involved in like playing guitar on the on the soundtrack. We're going to have to look this up. I'm looking it up right now. I would be I don't know, not entirely surprised, but I, I would still be quite shocked if that was the case. In the same way that like Michael Jackson was apparently involved in the soundtrack for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. There's like big kind of YouTube documentaries on that, but they've they've kind of dug a lot into it. And although uncredited, I think it's it's like pretty well accepted now that he was at one stage tied to the project. That's absurd, isn't it? But it's got the best soundtrack of all the Sonic games, so. Okay, so on Joe Satriani's Wikipedia page, so it's listed that he composed much of the soundtrack for the racing video game NASCAR 06 and contributed to Sega Rally Championship. So he did do something. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, it's... Oh, man. It's so ridiculous. I really want to know. Like, now that you've, you've dangled this carrot in front of me. Well, I think this might be a good opportunity for a little shout-out then to our listeners. Please, dig into this. Find the truth and report back. If anybody knows <laughs> whether or not Joe Satriani did indeed uh, contribute to the music for the soundtrack to Sega Rally, then please do let us know because um, we will not rest. I found uh, an old forum post where someone is asking the same question about the, the Wikipedia page being misleading. And then the, the second comment is just someone saying, yes, he did the tracks. The follow-up is eight other people saying, what are you basing this on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the classic kind of this is the internet these but then days, he does well. actually come back by saying that he's 5000% positive it was Joe Satriani that's a huge amount of percent <laughs> so there's no reason to doubt it that is a big percent it really is well let's move on shall we to our final ranking of today which is my one this is my my 95th favourite video game of all time let's go I must confess that when you were doing the build up to your game Chris I thought for a second <laughs> we were going to have overlap. we were going to have exactly the same game. Is it Sonic R again? It is on the Sega Saturn. Then we've got that much. It is on the Sega Saturn. That is correct. There was a nice memory that you shared, I think, in the first episode about uh, playing Bomber Raid with your dad. Is that right? Yeah. And that actually sparked some memories about uh, this game for me. It's a fantastic game that we had on the Saturn, really addictive, loads of replayability. But the thing that really, really stuck with me about this is the fact that my dad was just got absolutely obsessed with it uh, yeah. to the point where he had blisters on his thumbs. I know what it is. I know what it is now. <laughs> because he had to get and he did have, he beat me and my brother um, and had the world record for the javelin throw. In Athlete Kings. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> he had his technique down. I mean, it was like a sort of a joy pad in the palm of your hand and whirring it with his thumb. And um, yeah, like I, I think he, like, he even couldn't do something at work because of this, this injury that he picked up. And obviously couldn't say what it was. Um, but a man of hidden talents, my father. Yeah. Athlete Kings was a brilliant athletics game. It was essentially 10 mini games based around each event in the decathlon. And uh, all of the games revolved around either hitting the buttons as fast as you can or whirling a stick as fast as you can and pressing a button at the right time uh, as close to the line as you can. 
Uh, and between those mechanics, you could perform every single you event. You could change the world. You could not change the world. It had the most ridiculous, and now that I think about it, slightly racist um, selection yeah. of characters. It's what we could colourfully say that they were... Um playing on stereotypes <laughs> massively so massively so certainly problematic uh these days i imagine but they all had very sort of cheesy sort of little lines of dialogue if they did something good or did something bad and they only basically ever said the same one thing for each i can still hear every single one of these voices like the german guy um carl vine going somebody stop me <laughs> racist <laughs> Unless um, it's from the 1997 cinema blockbuster The Mask <laughs> Jim Carrey did all the voice work for Athlete Kings I believe <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me to be honest And I think it was Joe Satriani who did the soundtrack Exactly And weirdly enough actually the, the dialogue was written by um... Enid Blyton Noted anti-Semite <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all were in those days, weren't they? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I believe that Athlete Kings was possibly the last game that me and you played together, Chris. It may well have been. I mean, I, when you came down kind of six months ago, maybe, or so, we, we, we definitely played it on the Saturn that day, so quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you smashed me on every event. I mean, it's muscle memory. It's all in there. Yeah, I, I made no headway. It never went away. All the techniques. I remember like me and my brother had different techniques of holding the joypad, different ways for like each event and stuff like that. And we're just relentlessly trying to outdo each other and get the world record and hold the world record. It was just great. I mean, like I said, essentially just 10 mini games, but endless replayability. Oh, yeah. And there was also the sequel called Winter Heat, which was a Winter Olympics version of it, which is... Uh, not not great no I, I don't know why it, it kind of it loses a lot of the um the best qualities from athlete kings mm. and it, it seems like it, it'd be difficult to mess that up really but yeah there's there's definitely it doesn't have kind of the um i don't know the secret ingredient that athlete kings has in it whatever that may be problem with a lot of those was they realized there was actually quite a few mechanics it wasn't just as simple as running and jumping it was like oh, okay you have to ski and steer and stuff like that so it all got a little yeah. bit finicky and um yeah so this was originally an arcade game. Was it? What, like in Japan? Because we, we surely didn't get it here. I don't know. It doesn't say. That would be great fun to play this in the arcade, though. Uh, I can imagine. It would. They changed some of the names of the characters. Uh, ridiculously, the zebra print leotard clad Jeff Jansons, who is the British entrant, was given the... I don't even know what what type of name this is but he's called robin banks as if i don't know there's some sort of stereotype about brits being thieves uh, maybe yeah maybe i guess so you've robbed a bank ah uh, everybody's robbed a bank oh uh, yeah i mean all of us have there's nothing like just heading out on a saturday afternoon with your mum robbing a bank are you talking about going on the swings oh you're right oh damn it every time Every time. That wraps it up for another week. Another eclectic mix of games. First of all, we had... Golf Story. Then Chris's entry was... Sega Rally Championship. And Athlete Kings. How wonderful. If you have any feedback or any questions, or indeed any information uh, involving uh, Joe Satriani and the soundtrack to Sega Rally, then please do get in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. 
You can find me on Instagram, Drunk Ollivander. And make sure you tune in next time for our number 94s. God bless. <laughs>